Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here, and today I'm excited to be sharing with you uh, the sermon from this past week. We at Bothell uh, were pleased to welcome Ron and Don Stickle. They are co-founders of Sunset Youth Services in San Francisco. And over the weekend, uh, they led us uh, with our staff, with our governing board, with uh, some of our churches in our area, a implicit bias training that we called Uprooting Systemic Implicit Bias. Um, it was an opportunity for us to really challenge ourselves um, and to grow uh, so that we can live into our purpose of becoming Christ in the community. Uh, on Sunday, Dawn um, preached. She not only is one of the co-founders, but currently serves as executive director of Sunset Youth Services and really challenged us to love more, to expand our hearts, and to really take seriously the process of awakening, that being awake is a journey uh, that God invites us. And so uh, check out the sermon from Don Stickle. Thanks for having us. It's been a great weekend to be with you all. Um, We feel very humbled uh, to be invited into Uh, other folks' community to talk about what we've learned over the last 30 years. It's a pretty steep learning curve when you work with people. And um, I think Ron at one point said we could fill a book with the things we've learned from the people we're supposed to be serving. And, uh, And I think that lesson has always stuck with us, that we don't have answers. We, we really, all we have is just us and um, and luckily with God that's enough. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the process of awakening. I love the scripture that was read from Matthew because um, Jesus is having this like amazing, horrible, stressful. Right, the scripture says he like sweat like like big drops of blood. Right, like he was sweating bullets up there, just anguished. And his people were sleeping, not once or twice, right? Three times he was like, dude, what is happening right now? And they were like, yeah, my bad. They didn't know. We do that, right? Awakening. I'm not a fan of the phrase woke, right? I'm so woke. They're woke. Are you woke? Hey, like... And nobody's woke. We are all on the continuum of waking, right? It's a process. When we wake up in the morning, we don't just, well, some might, but most of us are not just like, boom, wake, right? The, the light is bright. The sounds are loud. You know, the baby's crying. It's piercing your eardrums, right? We have to have that first cup of coffee. We've got to turn on the light. We've got to ease into being awake. So this idea of being woke, to me, gives this idea that like there's a switch that flips on, and at some point, we figured it all out. And I would like to say that it is a process of our entire life of becoming more awake. Becoming more awake to who God is, sorry, I have to use cheat glasses, and they're horrible because I can't see you with them on, and I can't see my notes with them off, so sorry. I used to tease Marsha, my sister-in-law, about this, and now I've become her, so that's what 
That's what karma does for you. <laughs> um, how great is the mercy of God that he will wake us up time and again without scolding, but just saying, like, I really need you to be awake with me. Can you do that? Jesus says, the flesh is weak. Bro, no, duh. The flesh is weak. That's why we need coffee. He knew. Awakening is slow and authentic. It's not the woke Olympics, right? You hear people in certain settings talking about that and, and in a very judgy way, right? Oh, I can't believe, both, by the way, my pronouns are she, her. But I can't believe, you know, they, they used the wrong pronoun. I can't believe they said this, did that, forgot this, right? We're all in the process of learning. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a competition, it's the process of deepening in our understanding of how deep the love of our creator is for me and everyone else. Everyone else. Our kids say, period, right? When they're trying to emphasize something, period, full stop. Everyone else. No, no kind of asterisks, right? No, yeah, but not that, or if they would only, none of that. Just everyone, full stop. How freeing and amazing. It doesn't come easy because as people, we like to categorize. We like to group. We like to decide. We often de define ourselves by who's not allowed in, right? We know who we are because of who's not here. So the process of becoming more and more like creator God is the process of taking away those categories. It's the process of, being, of recognizing how deep the love actually goes for me and you and you and everyone else. I'm not a gatekeeper. I don't have to be a gatekeeper. I don't get to be a gatekeeper. I don't want to be a gatekeeper. Awakening means listening. Listening without defensiveness or judgment. I have been working over the last few years personally on trying to catch myself when I'm feeling judgmental about a situation. I'm by no means saying I've figured this all out. But I'm trying to catch myself and, and switch my judgment for curiosity. What is happening in the situation? Why is somebody making that choice? Why is this the way it is? Rather than you should, you shouldn't, why is like you're, right? Like those judgment places we can get to. When I'm feeling defensive, I try to catch myself. I try to say, what am I feeling defensive of? And am I defending the right thing? If I'm defending others and standing in the way of harm, then I'm defending the right thing. If I'm feeling defensive over my own reputation or my loss of power and control or something that is, being, that is costing me, I'm not defending the right thing. We have to ask ourselves every minute of the day, 
It's not, it's not a question we ask one time and move through. What are we defending? What are we holding on to? Awakening is an active, an active thing. It's not passive. We don't lay still in bed and passively wake up. I woke up this morning with a migraine. I wasn't even sure I was going to make it here. But I laid in bed and was willing my body to stop so I could get up. But not getting out of bed was not actually waking me up more, right? You have to actually get up. You have to take, there's an active process in waking up, waking up, sorry. In Micah 6, 8, that verse is a call to action, right? It's not just a passive verse. We can read it passively, but that verse actually is is a call to action. It says, awake, right? Awake and do justice. Awake and love mercy. Awake and walk humbly with God. It's asking us to do something. It's a proactive get up and get moving. Dr. Tiffany Jana says, and I, I paraphrase this because she doesn't actually use awakening as part of this, but the, to me, the stages of awakening can be defined in this way. Stage one is allyship. She calls this the thinking and learning stage. I call this the lament stage as well, right? This is, this is the stage that many people in the United States found themselves in at the beginning of quarantine when George Floyd was murdered, right? Suddenly, we couldn't look away. We couldn't just run to work. We couldn't just hide behind too many things to do. And people were forced to take a look at things that perhaps they've had the privilege of turning a blind eye to before. When we have to take a look, we suddenly see the things that we have been allowed to ignore, the things that we haven't had to grapple with, the things that our brothers and sisters have been dealing with for generation upon generation that we've been lucky enough to just ignore. I can't tell you how many people said, I had no idea. I had no idea it was that bad. I remember being, uh, we've been doing this work for a long time. We were at the George, one of the George Floyd rallies in San Francisco, and they started naming the names of black folks who have been killed. And I remember weeping openly and saying, I had no idea there was that many. Because it doesn't get talked about. And when you're white, you don't have to know. We get the privilege of looking the other way. So the process of awakening Stage one, allyship. Allies believe in equal rights, believe in equal justice in theory. Right? We're reading, we're learning, we're listening, we're lamenting, we're feeling the sorrow that we should have been feeling for years and years. Stage two, she calls this the accomplice or the reactive stage. Stage two, it accomplices actively work to dismantle systems of oppression. Accomplices begin to tap their own privilege, any personal advantage, earned or unearned, that makes your life easier. Earned or unearned, in service of justice. 
So as an accomplice, we're beginning to look at what do I have, whether I feel like I earned it or not, and many of us have lots of unearned privilege that I can tap into for the sake of my brothers and sisters. How do I stand in the way of harm? Stage three, which is the goal, is to be a co-conspirator. I love that she calls it co-conspirator because in our world, um, we go to court with a lot of people and typically being a co-conspirator is not a good thing. And that is something you get arrested for. You guys are so quiet. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> um, in this situation, we desire to be co-conspirators, right? This is the proactive stage. Co-conspirators work alongside the communities they support. They have, seek, and create meaningful relationships with people they actively support, right? Proximity. We talked about this this weekend. We can't actually fight this and be in this work if we don't have proximity to those stories and those people who are being hurt. If we're not asking Joe what it felt, feels like for his Asian elders to be beat, right? What is that? We have to listen. We have to center the voices of those who are being harmed. Regardless of whether it's assets, reputation, time, connections, or other resources, co-conspirators always have skin in the game. It's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost me. It's not comfortable. It's often not fun. It often means saying hard things to our friends, right? I am today mostly talking to my white brothers and sisters because we are the people who need to hear this. Not saying other groups don't have other things to learn. We need to hear this. We have allowed harm to go unchecked, often in the name of God for generation upon generation. And it's time for us to stand and say, not on our watch, no more. No more harm on my watch. Whether I stand in front of you and block it, whether I'm beside you, whether I'm behind you, whatever you need from me, that's where I wanna be. I've had the mic long enough. It's time for your voice to be centered and for me to ask what I can do to help support you. Not to decide for you what you need. We're great at that. We love that, right? Well, what those people need is, right? We get told that all the time. What those kids you serve need to do is pull up their pants. Like, come on, man. That's not gonna solve anything. We don't get to have the answers. Wherever you are on the awakening continuum is okay. Just keep moving. It's not a competition, it's not the Olympics, right? We're gonna get it wrong. We're gonna have to ask for forgiveness. We're gonna learn from each other. We've had generous and gracious mentors school us for 30 years. We're gonna get it wrong but we're gonna stay moving forward on this continuum, back and forth, up and down. We aren't gonna get woke. We are in the process of becoming awakened.
see everyone with the eyes of our loving creator God and work to stand in the way of harm, right? We're gonna stand and block more harm. The thing about love is that it's made for exactly this. Our hearts will be broken. In 30 years, our hearts have been smashed beyond all recognition. We have lost so many kids and young people and families to violence, to oppressive systems, to heartache, to overdoses. The temptation is to be like, ooh, forget that. That doesn't feel good. But the only way for hearts to heal is for them to do exactly what God created them to do, which is to love again. That's the magic of the heart. The way to heal our heart's brokenness is to let them be fragile and vulnerable and break again. That's the work. That's, that's part of the gift that we give. This is a blessing from the book, uh, The Cure for Sorrow, which is one of my favorite books by Jan Richardson. She writes, blessing in a time of violence, which is to say this blessing is always, which is to say there is no place this blessing does not long to cry out in lament, to weep its words in sorrow, to scream its lines in sacred rage, which is to say there is no day this blessing ceases to whisper into the ear of the dying, the despairing, the terrified which is to say there is no moment this blessing refuses to sing itself into the heart of the hated and the hateful, the victim and the victimizer with every last ounce of hope it has, which is to say there is none that can stop it, none that can halt its course, none that will steal, still its cadence, none that will delay its rising, None that can keep it from springing forth from the mouths of us who hope, from the hands of us who act, from the hearts of us who love, and the feet of us who will not cease, our stubborn, aching, marching, marching, until this blessing has spoken its final word, until this blessing has breathed its benediction in every place, in every tongue, peace, peace, peace. Beautiful. Our work will never be done. It is our job to stand together and say, not on our watch ever again, never again. And this doesn't have to be global, it, it is global, but it is plenty here in the United States, here in the state of Washington, here in Bothell, right? There's enough to go around. We don't have to look that far. Harm in the name of God, in the name of systems, in the name of right and wrong, whatever is happening. It is on us to say never again. And the joy for us of being with you this weekend, right? We now have a piece of that rope, right? All the way in San Francisco. Y'all can tug the rope, we can tug it back and be like, we got you, right? We're connected and we're moving toward the same thing, which is justice and love for all people.
earning, this is the work of holiness, right? We talk about that word, it feels very big and confusing. This is the work of holiness, being invited into the pain of someone else's story, to sit with them in their pain, to hear their story, to hold their hand. This is sacred in and of itself. It doesn't have to go further than that. We are the wounded healers, and there is no other plan. We are it. In all of our brokenness, in all of our sketchiness, in all of our selfishness, we are the plan. And we have the master behind us to use the gifts of wounded healers in the process. We're honored to be on this journey with you all. And I'm going to leave you with one last blessing. This is the prayer of shelter and shadow. It is in the shelter of each other that the people live. It is in the shadow of each other that the people live. We know that sometimes we are alone and sometimes we are in community. Sometimes we are in shadow and sometimes we are surrounded by shelter. Sometimes we feel like exiles in our land, in our languages, and in our bodies. And sometimes we feel surrounded by welcome. As we seek to be human together, may we share the things that do not fade. Generosity, truth-telling, silence, respect, and love. And may the power we share be for the good of all. We honor Creator God, the source of this rich life, and we honor each other, storyful and lovely. Whether in our shadow or in our shelter, may we live well and fully with each other. Amen. All right, so that was the sermon from Don Stickle, from Matthew and Micah. Um, I really appreciated the challenge to remember that we are not in this woke Olympics, but really embarking on a personal journey of awakening um, so that we might do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Um, I hope you are inspired as well. Next week, uh, the next two weeks, in fact, we're going to take a look at call and how God invites us to be on our journeys. Um, so uh, stick, uh, stick around for that, and we will see you next week.